Welcome to another episode of SEA with Adam. This week I sit down with Kat, who runs yoga retreats and parties, to discuss a lot of things. This is a really big episode, but it's, it's a really great one. We cover a lot of topics. Um, we discuss mostly about uh, when SEA may not be worth it for your company, and what to do when you're in a new industry and trying to get customers who aren't fully aware that your service exists. Enjoy. Um, so, my name is Kat Duval, and... Um, we have been looking at the yoga hen parties. I run a company called Nine Lives Yoga, and it's all about collaborative yoga practice, so social yoga, I call it, which is making yoga a social experience and sort of taking it beyond um, the individual personal practice and so- socialising it yeah. and essentially making us um, be more aware of our bodies and uh, bond more deeply in our practice. So it's partner yoga, group yoga, acro yoga, um, Thai massage, lots of contact, lots of trust, lots of communication, teamwork, collaboration, and trust. Yeah, so a bit of um, everything, but always kind of on, focusing on the social and the yeah, the group aspect. Then exactly, yeah, the yeah. group aspect is Great. is sort of the speciality, especially for the yoga hen parties. Yes. So what I found was, I mean, that I've been teaching acro yoga for. Five, six years, I've been teaching yoga for a decade and I'm a bit of a junkie for teacher training. So I've kind of got uh, about six or seven teacher trainings under my belt now. And, um, you know, I'm a mindfulness um, practitioner, an LP coach um, and a senior yoga teacher. And I'm writing a teacher training in social yoga this year uh, because of having seen how important it is to work with like consent, touch and boundaries and the sort of more more serious side since the sort of Me Too stuff. Um, but also in a fun way. So I do lots of opening closing ceremonies at events and lots of parties. So we've done like yoga raves and they can be massive and we've toured all the way around Europe doing those. So I saw that on the website and I was a bit curious as to as to what, how that worked and what it was and yeah, kind of what environment it was in. Is it is it it's basically it's not like doing yoga to rave music. No, it's gonna say. I think it is, but it's more a kind of it's a journeyman, you know. Yeah. Like these things are. Um, you we make it kind of like a festival experience. Um, it's designed to be a conscious dance party. So for people that want to go out, dance to really good tunes mm. and not get drunk or get under the influence. Yeah. It offers that opportunity for people that really love their music yeah. to still have that vent. And it offers the chance to people that love yoga to let their hair down. So it's kind of where you, music and yoga unite. Yeah. Um, and the sort of strap line is that um, yoga lovers experience the rhythm of the bass and bass lovers experience the rhythm of the breath. That's great. Great, great tagline. <laughs> Thanks. And so we did, we started those about four years ago and they've really taken off. And now we kind of tour Scandinavia and wow. um, around the festival circuit in the UK. And um, they can range from sort of 100 people to uh, one and a half thousand people. We were on the main stage at Natural High Healing Festival and that was for about a thousand people. And wow. that was just absolutely amazing. Yeah. So these yoga parties have kind of spun off from that. Okay. So they're a more intimate version, a more accessible version for, for people to experience the sort of elation of that experience but in a small you know in a, in a more intimate group. a bit more kind of private yeah. structured thing and and what i found was the most popular of small groups is hen parties yes um so that's why we kind of ended up focusing on that and then i bought the domain of the yoga hen parties and so uh you know we i run nine lives yoga still 
uh, we do the egg raves, um, but actually the egg hen parties have really started to take off. Yeah. So it is quite niche, but it is getting more and more popular. I mean, this year, I'm like, I've just taken on a new member of staff because wow. to help me with events management because it's quite, yeah, it's, there's so many coming in. It's an interesting thing where it's, it sounds niche, but as soon as you think about it, it does sound like quite an, a, a really good, sensible idea for people who are having hen parties and wants them to be a bit more chilled and not the usual, as you say, uh, kind of alcohol fueled. West Street experience. Yes, but they exactly. want to look a bit more kind of low key and a bit more personable. That's you know just quite chill. So yeah, well being's now all the rage, right? So yeah, everyone is appreciating how important it is to feel balanced in yourself and calm and happy, and yeah. how actually it helps you get more connected with your friends and loved ones and stuff. And so it kind of really appeals to that that you know group or that um, target audience, I guess. But just that collective of people that are interested in doing something that bonds a group together that's really fun where they get to laugh yeah where they get to take themselves lightly but get in more into their bodies yeah they get to learn a new skill but not feel like an idiot when they're kind of doing it wrong or whatever so it really keeps it light and it it is a can be a deeply moving spiritual experience um or it can be an upbeat fun bit of a laugh but it's always collaborative yeah it, it can be kind of toned depending on how, what people want I suppose. yeah and if it's more as you say spiritual more hype and kind of fun and, and exciting exactly so they they in the booking procedure basically they people you know clients get to a chance to specify exactly the kind of mood they want to create and because i'm traditionally trained and the teachers the team of teachers that i um bring in to to lead the parties mm as well as me, um, there I train them up in social yoga practices. So, and uh, some of them are already trained in partner yoga and acro yoga. Um, so yeah, the, it's kind of the principles of inclusion and um, celebration, you know, and groundedness and authenticity. So it really has the roots in traditional yoga practice as well. So we do meditation, we do intention setting, but we bring in a bit of a fun festival vibe. So we do like glitter ceremonies and stuff like that. Yes, yeah, so it's not too dry and, 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 and kind of... Exactly, not, not dry at all. Yeah, yeah. Definitely bouncy and, and fun and happy. And if people want to do the dance element, that's yeah. an option. But some groups also don't and they want to specialise in the yoga and do some vinyasa flow and sort of actually get some dynamism in their yoga practice. Get some exercise out of it as well. So, yeah. So how how you say you bought the domain? How recently was that? How, how long? Uh, last year. Okay, so it's been about kind of twelve months or so. Yeah. Cool. So it's been live probably for about seven or eight months now. So it's still fairly new as as a, as an individual website then. Yes, definitely. And yeah. I've done little to no work on the SEO. Well, because I'm looking at the website and it from the from just a quick glance at it, it takes a lot of boxes initially. So like the, the the title tags were great. The fact you've got the questions on the on the home page, like the um, what is what is a yoga party or I can't remember the question was exactly, but you know, framing it in that way is really good SEO things. People might be searching for that. Thank you. Um, and you do appear for that I think. When I checked out a couple of the kind of keywords, you were there on the first page but quite low down. So there's some work there to be done to, to raise it up. But I think the main thing Looking at the website from a technical point of view, just doing a quick like order on it, it looked good. There's things that could be tweaked on it, but I don't think at this moment in time that's going to change anything really. So in the in the, the title tag of the homepage, um, at the, so the not the actual not what the page is called, but the uh, H1 uh, title tags. Sorry, right. 
So on, on the homepage, you've got the, like, the big banner at the top. It's got a H1 tag in it. That's great. It's the actual title tag, the meta tag of the, of the page. Right. Um, that could do with maybe tweaking it a little bit because it's got all the keywords in there, but the order of the keywords isn't ideal. Um, oh, okay. So, it is important, is it? So Why is the order important? It helps with click-through rate. So okay. when you see the, the results in search, how that meta tag uh, appears can affect how people click through it. So I think at the minute you've got the nine lives yoga at the start of it and then the words afterwards. Um, it's normally better to have the words that you're targeting first because people will see, read that first and then click on it quicker, which then that's one of the trust signals that Google uses to help rank the website. Okay. Um, it's not a kind of deal breaker, it's not a huge thing. It's just one of those little optimizations that you can do to help, help the website rank. But looking at the site as a whole, I, there's nothing really I'd, I'd rush to change on that. Um, what I'd be more interested in, and this is where I think there's more discussion point here, is how to market it because Hen Party Yoga, as a, as a phrase, doesn't have any search volume. It's not really something people are looking for, but it is definitely, from what you're saying, something people are interested in. So I'd like to explore kind of your target audience, um, who they are and who you think they are. Obviously, the people who, who are attending Hen Parties are about to get married, so it's quite easy, I suppose. But Target audience would be... Um... I mean, the age the age rate is a big range, mm. but the people who book are definitely uh, usually the sisters or best friends of the bride. Okay. Um, and so the age range would be anywhere from sort of twenty five to forty five. Yeah. Um, I've done birthday parties as well for fortieths and fiftieths, and I've done stag parties too. Really? Well, yeah. that's interesting. Which is really fun. Yeah, but um, quite quite a range then. It's not. Yes, yeah, yes. It's not like it's one, you know, it's 18 year old women who are in, from Brighton. It's quite a you know, broad, broad category. Well, I mean, the, the, I did a couple of snags and one was um, for one half of a gay couple and they, he was massively into yoga and he was a dancer. Wow. And so actually really familiar with yoga practice and, uh, and so were, the friends were dancers too. Yeah. So that was great. And what the challenge was for that one, which is always, I'm always looking for where the stimulation is to kind of grow. My own practice, it was great because actually they were so physically able yeah. that we could get into acro yoga and actually to give them challenge, um, they were well competent to, to sort of try the more advanced practice of acro, which was great. Um, and uh another group was where they were kind of swapped they'd you know the the bride had fixed up for the all the groom's activities and the groom is fixed up fixed up for the bride which is a great really fun well, potentially so, great idea in terms <laughs> of target audience yeah so it's people that are looking to get married people that are looking to do something well-being orientated that's celebration orientated as well as well-being and i think that's slightly jars in people's minds because I, I remember when i launched the yoga rave they were like they're the opposite of each other you're completely bonkers what are you going to do what, what do you what do you want about yeah and actually when it came together and now it's a big phenomenon you know there's lots of people doing yoga raves around the world um because it really has taken on taken off it just just works it, kind of balances. it, it really works because to say you go sort of energetically in yourself you go to the same place when you're deep in your yoga practice as you do when you're absolutely having it on the dance floor to your favorite music you yeah know? Um, it's that kind of piece where the world, the only thing that exists is now, this moment. Just so focused really on in it. your body and you're out, you're not out of your mind, so to speak. Um, but um, in terms of target audience, I would say I'm, I'm looking at sort of, um, yeah, 25 to 45 um, with a relatively high disposable income. Yeah. Um, so, okay. you know, 
but also for special occasions it doesn't need to be a certain class of person I hate to speak in class yeah but it's that sort of yeah it, it's it's actually just people that care about their well-being yeah um, so that can actually be of any walk of life um, it is a certain price per head that is more than a yoga class but that's because logistically it's much more complicated complex to organize and to I do it properly it it's you know needs that infrastructure i'd imagine when people are planning hen parties anyway they're naturally expecting a certain kind of premium because of the, the it's a special occasion and you want it to be right and you want it to be perfect so yes that's not going to be off-putting i want to think the reason no, what, i mean it's 30 pounds in brighton and 40 pounds in london and beyond yeah so it's totally accessible yeah it's not um and for that they get a 90 minute session yeah um that's yeah. Which is totally, you know, within range, you know, within four. Less than range. most kind of PT trainers or anything like that would be. So well, people yeah. spend on that all the time. So. And when it comes to hen party activities, it's yeah. well within range. Yeah. Things. Well, I suppose, so, yeah. I mean, you mentioned that I should be listed on uh, more sites, um, or like just to obviously, you know, I, I know that you generously took time to to survey um, the site and take notes on it. But I am listed on some sites. Yeah. Um, and. I do find I have some bookings, but it's taken about a year for, for that to happen. Well, the reason why I was asking about the, the target audience is because I think just looking at the site from an SEO point of view, initially from a quick audit, it's, it's, it's good enough to start working on other tactics here. So I, I think you should probably want to move a little bit away from SEO as, as, as the focus term, and it's more kind of content marketing, where you want to be writing content that your target audience is looking for, but it's perhaps not directly related to what you're doing mm. so there's one example i can't remember what like hen party was. activities or hen party games you said yes precisely yeah. there's, there's one website i found on there um who they'd written a list of like top five and they ranked number one for it, like top five original hen party ideas yeah so i think position like one three and five four and five on that list were other experiences that were kind of unique and, and, and weird ones but the second one was actually what they did so you're getting people onto the site with stuff they're interested in and then they might click off off your site on the you know the, the four listings that aren't new, but on the second one, it's a, it's a way to appear in search in quite a friendly way, and you don't realise that you're actually looking at their site and they're kind of subtly pushing their um, packages product. Yeah. product. Yeah. So it's then thinking about what are they people interested in that they're already looking for, and there was one term I think it was classy Hindu ideas. Or yes, you you mentioned a few classy Hindu ideas, yeah. classy hen party games. Yeah. Um, Hindu cakes, interesting. Yeah. So, <laughs> what I was looking for here, just to just to take a step back, this is like doing keyword research to find yeah. terms that had high volume that were, that were like low competition, so you that could were quite around easily... that were around Hindus. Yeah. So that kind of idea. So people aren't looking for the yoga party thing. So what else are they looking for that's similar that you might be able to write content about? Um, so the hen Hindu cakes thing is maybe a little bit. Weird, but you could write like a, a list about, oh, here are the top, you know, top five um, cakes that I've seen at hen parties. Yes. And then you link back, oh, why not think about doing a yoga party um, for your hen do? Because people, are, they're researching hen party items already. I've actually got already, a, so. a, um, a friend who is wanting to do the social yoga teacher training mm. and has been for some time who makes incredible cakes. Perfect. So you I can just hit her up do, for yeah. some photos and just do a little listicle. Yeah. with that and try and target that keyword. Awesome. See, the idea here that, that you know, Hendo Cakes has got 390 searches a month on average, and then classy hen party games, like 600, 500 roughly. Um, that's that's volume that doesn't exist yet for the... Um, yeah, you said less than 10 a month. Yeah. And also, you said less than 10 a month for 
original hen party ideas. That surprised me. Yeah. Because that seems to be quite a... You think that would be an obvious time to go for, like people are looking for something unusual or, as you I say, mean, original. In terms of inquiries that have been coming through, at the moment we've had, we have about probably four a week. Wow. Okay. Or five a week that come in. And conversion rate at the moment is actually about 90%. Wow. Which is great. And that's ever since uh, turning much more focused to really... to. To, to focus on this yeah. because I have a bunch of other things that I do I do four pillars of happiness training um, yes mental health yoga for mental health um, I do acro yoga partner yoga you know massage all those things whole package there of everything yeah loads of and, and I kind of I, essentially it's almost like because we had so many inquiries in and I also need to train someone up I've it's just required 100% of my attention and I've just noticed the conversion rate go right up yeah, and well, that's I just great. Thought, great, okay. So we're within price range. I mean, they do say, don't they, that you should increase your price if you're getting any more than seventy-five percent conversion. Yeah, I suppose it's, <laughs> if, if, if you're, you're too cheap, otherwise, if yeah. you're struggling with the demand, then just pe- like charge more because people are probably willing to pay more. Because if you're the only person out there doing it, then it's not like they've got much competition to kind of go to to turn to as an alternative. So mm. yeah, you could charge more, but it's finding the right price point though. I think that's a it's a really tough thing to to try and set because you want to keep it as you say accessible to people who aren't you know earning mega bucks people who are just normal people who want something nice to do at their hand party so at the moment i think like it, it mostly works but if it's a really labor intensive process in finding venue or yeah in logistically so. organizing different elements because you also offer other workshops and stuff but in terms of content marketing yeah. um we could probably bring in the other workshops that we offer yeah as part of that content strategy of sort of writing about stuff because you know i mean i've got people that do award-winning face paints amazing fascinator making yeah you know like uh, singing workshops you know there's all sorts this of is stuff. the thing i think ooping workshops you know with seo a lot of people just focus on what they do and what they're writing about and they don't necessarily take a step back to think about what people the people who their target customer is actually interested in because as soon as you go you, you kind of spin it around onto what the customer is interested in it opens up a huge range of potential ideas that you can write about and it's just about getting people onto your website and then there's various other ways you can then try and convert them by doing, you know, email marketing campaigns that are automated to try and introduce them to ideas or email capture or just having like pop ups saying, oh, you might be interested in our, you know, our yoga party ideas. Have you thought about this? Even if they're looking at cakes or they're looking at, what was it, was that, like Hindu themes or fancy dress ideas, you know, you can still write about that and then just prompt them with a, a little nudge to say, well, check out this idea as well. Um, so what would you recommend in terms of strategy in that way? Like, uh, that sounds great. Obviously, hearing the recommendations and what you've just said, that's fab. Um, but in terms of, like, structuring a plan. Yeah. Because um, essentially you're saying, let's harness the power of distraction. Almost, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and write something that's relevant, but then sidestep them through this door here. And ta-da, you're in a new room, and this is my yoga head party room. Essentially, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a much more nice way of putting it than saying conversion funnels and, and, and email marketing. Um in terms of the strategy for that, it would be doing a bit more research, writing, so like the questions, coming back to the questions, a lot of people don't use search now to find information, they use it to find answers to questions they've got. Yeah. So you can, it's a really good way of structuring content of saying, you know, uh, what are the best fancy dress ideas for a hen party? And, and, and writing content around, around questions like that. Um, so, it would take a bit more kind of work, a bit more digging, and a bit more, it's quite a creative process, so you might want to step a bit, again, step a back a little bit from the keyword research um, it's a really useful tool to get you going but sometimes 
with something in, in this market where it's quite new and it's as you say like the the, the rave um, party idea it probably doesn't have that much search volume but clearly it's a really popular thing and it's going to come up so you might want to be a bit more creative with it than try to rely on the data because the data might not have caught up yet to the to the like the trends and the, the social trends that are happening yes so in terms of a strategy it would be a case of sitting down and just brainstorming a load of ideas getting a, a load of um, different topics together maybe talking to your customers and saying like, what else are you interested in and just digging through their their purchase kind of cycle as it, as it were who else have they looked at what are competitors doing what other topics out there are related to hen parties that um, you hadn't really thought of and just looking at it from a bit more of a putting yourself in the customer's shoes and just seeing what they're looking at um, on the web as a whole and then just so how do I it's I mean that sounds great and I, I excites me the thought of doing that yeah um, but my questions are I guess where do I go to do keyword research? Like, how do I find the answers okay. about what, what keywords people are searching for? Yeah. And then where do I go to find out the questions? You know, or is it just pontificating good questions? No, so there's, there's a really good, for the questions, there's a really good tool, and it is a bit of a rabbit hole. Um, you can spend hours on it, called answerthepublic.com. Right. Um, and okay. with that, it's, you can put in, like, a seed keyword. So you put in hen party, and then it will generate a list of questions using um, like keyword modifiers, so are, or, versus, are best, top, those kind of words. Um, how to? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like the, yeah, the, the how, why, when, where, mm. it will just add those all into the into the questions and give you, and group them together. So you've got then huge lists of, you know, what is hen party, why is hen party, how is hen party, stuff <laughs> stuff like that, obviously more more sensible than that, but just huge lists, and, you, and just running through that, you'll find some ones that you wouldn't think of, and go, oh, actually, that's a really good idea, um, and that's, and you can start playing around with it as well, so you don't just have to stick to hen party, you can just put in, like, you know, yoga, and, and see what pe questions people are asking about that as well. Um, the thing with the questions is, you can't really match it to keyword volume that easily, because they're normally unique, Questions that will have less than ten searches a month. Um, from a keyword tool point of view, it won't it won't attach any data to it. Right. Um, but that's not really an issue because you can just use those creatively and and, and use it in then like social um, page or like in, in marketing campaigns and stuff as well. So you can use it elsewhere. Can I just uh, translate? Uh, yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, no. Can I just not translate? But I mean, just challenge what? what no, no. Just, yeah, I just want to make sure I've understood right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so essentially. You're saying that it's useful to do questions because people are looking at questions now. Yeah. But actually, it's not correlation. There's no correlation really with keyword search terms. Not usually. So Google essentially isn't going to rank me for it, but it might help to, if if someone searches for that specific question, but it might only be 10 a month. So should I then focus on keywords first? Should I go, right, okay, repeat yoga hen party over and over and over again? You know, uh, talk about yoga parties, insert the word games, you know, like those kinds of things into the copy. Is that the first thing? And then the next thing is like make my headings questions. A little bit. So it's it's kind of, they're both linked. So if we take a step back, keyword research, you want to find, you use a tool. So there's a, a few tools out there, like the SEMrush, there's... Um, SEMrush? Yeah, Keyword Finder, um, or the, the best one that I've used. If you, do you use Firefox or Google Chrome? I use Chrome, unfortunately. Excellent. I use the baddie. Yeah, that's, um, that's really, it's useful in this, in this instance. There's a, there's a Chrome add-on called Keywords Everywhere, 
Um, and that's like a, it's a free research tool that will overlay information onto your um, like into the Google search. So when you search for something, it will bring up the, the keyword volume. So how many people are searching for that a month? And then down the right hand side, it it inserts like two boxes that um, will have related searches of what else people are searching for. What was that one? Uh, keywords everywhere. It's keywords. a Chrome add-on. Okay, great. Um, that's that's probably the cheapest way to do keyword research. The only okay. thing is, it doesn't give you the difficulty of the keyword. So the difficulty, what to spell it? No, no. So <laughs> the, to spell the, it for a dyslexic, so the difficulty factor eight. <laughs> the, yeah. the difficulty for um, ranking <laughs> against that key term. Okay. So a lot of the, oh, see, a lot right. of the SEO tools. So like yoga would be way too general. No, Precisely. Lots of competition with loads more money. So a lot, a lot of the tools will have a metric they they they, they have generated themselves internally um, that will attach to a keyword for ranking top 10 in, in the search results. So for example, the classy Hendu ideas, classy hen party games, Hendu cakes, those were all keywords that I found that had a decent amount of volume. So there's a lot of people searching for it every month, but also they were easy to rank for in that the tool I was using, which was Keyword Finder, was saying that they were less than difficulty 30 to rank for. So this is where it gets a little bit. This is where my brain starts melting out of my ear. Yeah. Um, but no, okay, so I've got, <laughs> This is so I've got ask the public. Yeah. So ask the public Sorry. is good for questions. Answer the public. Oh, answer the public. Well, yeah. that's that's even that's even better. Yeah. Um, that's um, something that perhaps people need to do more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that is a really good tool. It was developed by. Um, Listen to the banners. Um, petitions. Yeah. Petitions. Anyway, um, so keywords everywhere is a Chrome add-on. Keyword yeah. finder. You yeah. said good for difficulty, finding the difficulty factor. Yes. Yeah, so you're talking about like difficulty factor 10 or whatever. So it seems a bit, like, with all with respect to the layman, um, yeah. it sounds a bit arbitrary, like the number, but ultimately, you know, there is a ranking system and you can see how challenging it is. Correct, yes. Okay. So it's, it is a little bit arbitrary, but it's really useful because, as you say, if you take two keywords, so trying to rank for, I don't know, uh, this is also difficult, being put on the spot and trying to think of two difficult, an easy and a difficult keyword. Well, I think in the context of this, a difficult one would be yoga. Yeah. Um, and potentially an easy one. I mean, you've identified that yoga hen parties doesn't get so much search. Yeah. But it, it, I guess it would it be a good search term because it doesn't because it hasn't got much competition. Well, this is the you, you want to do it, <laughs> but you don't want to prioritize all your efforts on trying to rank for that term because it, the, the reward on investment for that time is not going to be great because mm. not enough people are searching for mm. it. Whereas potentially if you search for, if you did like a really great article on Hindu cakes and yeah. you went to answer the public and went, what questions are people asking about cakes for Hindus? And then you write an article or a page or a blog post that just answers those questions in a format and then you use the word Hindu cakes throughout that naturally. Don't try and keyword stuff <gasps> it. What just, about Hindu venues? Yeah. So yeah, that, that one I imagine good. will be quite high competition because you'll get like a lot of cottages and a lot of yeah. Um, but I could do an estate. interview with some nice venues. Yeah, um, and then it'd be interesting because then you'd rank probably for those venues uh, if you were talking to them and then targeted their like their their brand essentially and tried mm. to tag onto their um, SEO. That's a good tactic. Mm. That's called like barnacle SEO, I think it's. What's it called? Barnacle SEO. We, we, <laughs> so you tack on and then you don't let go like a limpet. Precisely. Okay. And it, it's surprisingly <laughs> effective because it's not it's not about your website ranking. It's just getting a link from their website essentially. Yeah. Um, and then they obligatorily, you know, in a terribly British way, have to then forward the business to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I can't possibly take this business. It's yours. 
It's great. So, um, or like, oh, you're the one that brought us the business. Yes, thanks. Yeah. Um, okay, so are there any other resources that you would say? I would start off with those. They're the ones, they're the three that I go to instantly when okay, I when great. I start any of this well, process. Three is a nice number. Yeah, and it's they're, they're, they're quite accessible, they're quite easy to use. Like Keyword Finder, the reason why I use it is it's really simple. It gives you like colours for good and bad. So if it's easy to rank for, it will be green. If it's, if it's hard to rank for, it will be red. So it's like, great, we can just look down a list and be like, mm, great. and just Traffic dismiss loads of nice. them. Yeah, exactly. And is the answer the public? I think I came across that years ago, but it was in amongst so much info that I sort of, it, I, I drowned. Yeah. Um, or it just, you know, washed away. Um, is that the one where it appears really big when it's popular and small when it's unpopular? Um, that, I remember seeing that one. Potentially, because I know they do, they have like a visual when you first search, it's like a little tree thing, but I always just instantly hit the data tab so it's a list. Right. So I don't really pay attention to okay. it that much. I'm massively visual, so yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, you need to have a look at it. but And also it will give you, depending on what term you use, because sometimes you can put in quite a specific term and it won't come up with any answers because it's too specific, so you do have to try quite a few different um like phrases and stuff just to see which what people are actually asking for okay try phrases so um i went to a uh in a sort of in a business it was like business conference thing the uk business conference and there was a a google room mm. with workshops all day long and i went in there and i absolutely drank it up it was amazing the, the info and it seemed actually really logical mm. and they talked a lot about you know, you want to make yourself easy to find. You want to make yourself, uh, you know, make sure that there's, it's like a library. Yeah. Um, you know, you want to know where the sections are. And when you go to that section, you want it then to be easy to find stuff. So that's how you want to organize your website. Yeah. And that makes sense. So I label my pictures. Mm -hmm. I label my pages, you know, um, how you mentioned meta tags, because I did think actually that that wasn't so important anymore. And then you also mentioned the order of is it hashtags. No. My keywords. Yeah, so that's just that's like the technical on 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 page. I guess bit. the question is around the structure. Yeah. Yeah. Structure well, there's, the there's two questions of that. The first is like the, the meta tags, so the, the kind of the data that appears in the search engine results. So you've got the meta description and the meta title. The meta title is the first line that appears when you when you Google something and you've got the list of results. It's the blue one at the top. Um, the the sort of um, sneaky peek type sentence. Precisely. Yeah. 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 So that's where you want to organise it to be to basically tell the user from that search page what is on that page. Um, so if you've got a, a website that sells plant pots and you've got a category that sells that is just plant pots, you want that meta title to say plant pots <laughs> because it then links to what it is. Yeah. Um, you don't normally want to stuff too much information in there or like be too spammy with it because it needs to read quite well and pass well. So if you're looking down a list of results you want to be able to just scan them and see what pages are going to be the most relevant to you. Um, and that's where the, the optimization comes in because there's the balance there between being good for the user and Google being able to read it and know what's on the page. And that's where keyword research comes in because you want to know what keywords to use in that title because that, that title will affect your rank in, in Google. So it's quite a good way of having, if you've got a really well-optimized meta description and meta title, that will help you rank better. Okay, so the title is, well, the title as it appears on the search term. Yeah. And the meta description is the one word sentence. The meta description is the short, um, the short it's like 320 term. characters yeah. uh, underneath, which is like, yeah, one or two sentences of just 
blurb about the page essentially that gives the the user an introduction to to what's going to be what they can expect on the page okay. that's normally um you want to put some keywords in there but you want it to be written as a sentence um so that again if someone was reading it they understood what to expect from it in terms of structuring the the content on the actual page itself that's the way you want to again write for the user um and that's why questions are quite useful because you can answer people's questions so if they're searching for it your the title on your page matches that neatly um there's the, there's different types of tags within the actual page there's the h1s and the h2s are the two main ones so you want to only have one h1 on the page normally it doesn't matter too much if you have two but it depends on the on the length of the page and, and stuff like that and then h2 tags are a good way to just, just structure out subsections of the page so if we were writing uh, a long article about cakes for hen parties and people were searching for um, what are the best cakes, like how much does a hen party cake cost, that'll be a H2 tag you can put on the page that will then help you rank for that term. Um, but also, when you're looking at it, it will naturally have, uh, it'll be a subsection beneath it. it. It naturally splits up the page. Yes, I understand. Does that make sense? It does. So actually, I mean, having written it, you know, I go visually on what looks good. I generally go with an H1 for the top of the page. Yeah. But sometimes I might go for an H1 and then manually change the size because then H2 in my in my theme, in yeah. WordPress, isn't quite big enough. Yeah. So I kind of click through and I go, actually, no, I, I just want that to be almost somewhere in between H1 and H2. So I kind of, you know, and there's not a, a specific science to it. I mean, I tend to go in themes. I yeah. tend to be quite logical with that stuff. Well, this is what but I noticed. Also, from you end up tweaking it, and then you end up, you know, just overriding and making it. Yeah, yeah. And this is all the problem with with themes and and stuff. Sometimes they're not always set up how you'd like them to, and and there's not always a consistency there. Um, and that's where the technical SEO comes in because you can order that page and actually go look. You've got five H1 tags on here that you purely wanted to. You've you've made H1s because you want it to be the biggest. We can actually make those H2s and then just style those H2s to look bigger yeah. and, and fix it that way. But having looked at your site on the on the yoga parties one, I didn't notice anything out of the ordinary in that in that sense. It all seemed to flow quite well. So okay. I think you're, you're probably probably good there. It's not you know nothing. I'll check. No alarm bells rang. So yeah, double check yeah, it all. Good. It's interesting because I haven't got a blog on that website at the moment. And no. So you you know what this conversation is really highlighted actually I really need one yeah I think um I mean how is it good that I have it on the page um in-house or should I set up a medium account I just keep it on, on page right. you want it always why is that um because medium is a separate website so it's just different even though they've got a bigger traffic yes yeah, so there's an argument to use medium for something like uh, a, a thought leadership article where you would write about yoga and then link back to yourself mm -hmm. to try and get traffic to your website for that. But in terms of ranking your own website, you always want to keep it on your own website. Mm -hmm. um, and using third-party tools and the way you structure it doesn't always work that well. Um, so it's, it's easiest just to run with WordPress and use their own their, their internal blogging system because it's really well set up for SEO. Yeah, and, it's and, and, and Google crawls it nicely. It? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Google crawls it really nicely and it knows what to expect. So it's much easier that way to do it for yourself. But you might want to combine it. So you might do a load of content on your website, a load of blogs, and but then also do one or two Medium articles where you're talking about yoga parties or your experiences or something like that. Uh, in a separate article that then just links back to your site as a way to try and get traffic from Medium to you. Because people who are on Medium looking for yoga 
etc. Then signposting them. Yeah, yeah, exactly, to you. But What do you think about vlogs? Because as, um, I mean, I like to write, but I'm kind of one of those people that kind of ends up writing for like an entire day. Yeah. I write way too much and then it takes me forever to edit it. But that's part of my creative process. It's like splurge it out, then, read it through, go off on a tangent in the middle, you know, then go off on another one, and, and then eventually you, know, you sort of try and keep to the headings and whatever, and sort of split it up. And actually, you've probably got about eight articles. Yeah. But it's it's quite a painful process for me that, unless I've got someone else to help edit, which I haven't, being no. an entrepreneur. Um, you know, so part like friends will. Yeah, yeah, there'll again, be a, a second opinion, but it's not like a, a, a process there exactly. in place. Yeah. So I prefer vlog. I prefer vlogging. Yeah. Um, I mean, I say that I haven't done a huge amount of vlogging, but I uh, video is my preferred medium. Yeah. Because it's quick, it's efficient. I don't mind being, um, you know, putting a camera in my face and saying a few things. Um, and I'm not so attached to, I feel like I can verbally recover if I mess something up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's a bit more personal, isn't it? It's, it's just and they get, yes, it's the best impression that you can make of what you're like without being there in person. Yeah. So what do you think about that? And then transcriptions, like, is that a good way to, to do it instead of blogging? Um, I think there's, there are two different uh, kind of tactics there, I think. Because I think blogging, vlogging is a really good way to get into into YouTube, obviously, and then it'll be a great way to try and get users from YouTube to your website and kind of raise your profile that way. Um, and videos do appear in search quite a lot. So if you were kind of doing on SEO for YouTube, essentially, uh, and making sure your, your, your uh, videos were well uh, described and had the keywords and the titles on the videos as well. That's a great way to also get traffic from, from YouTube, both internally and also rank on, on certain terms within search on the videos tab. But I think the, the, the content side of things, yeah. I think you want to keep that written because you could have a video on there that is relating to the topic, but I don't think that's going to help necessarily you, you rank for it. It's more about writing and answering questions and, and, and structuring it in such a way that Google can read it really easily. Whereas if you're transcribing it, that will have some SEO benefit, but you're, the main reason you're doing that transcription is not gonna be for SEO reasons. Whereas if you're writing the content naturally, you are t gonna be writing it more for SEO. I've not explained that very well. So, but, okay, so a transcription isn't going to essentially help so much with... Not in the mean, same way, no. That's a shame. That's yeah. A, that's a blow. It is, it is worth doing transcriptions, because I was talking to someone, uh, the first podcast the first podcast I did mm. was someone who purely had podcasts as their content, and they were like, how can I get traffic for this? And the answer was transcribe it, and then you'll pick, you start, naturally start picking up keywords from that conversation. Um, but their target wasn't just to try and improve their SEO, they just kind of wanted that as a secondary benefit. Mm. If your primary benefit is to try and rank for certain key terms and to try and get that, that audience traffic, video's great, but that's a different strategy to, to the kind of content marketing on your website and, and writing blogs. So I would so say do like both. discoverability, do both, do both ideally. Yeah. Okay, so there's discoverability and then there's no like and trust me. Yeah. And so discoverability is know me. Yeah. <laughs> And then, you know, it's like and trust me in different ways. So for me, I feel like the easiest way to do that is to, ho hopefully, unless I come across hideously, but hopefully I don't. No, I can't <laughs> imagine it would go that um, Then, yeah, then the video is the preferred way. Yeah. 
but it's like okay so basically right that makes sense that makes sense I like that I can compartmentalise that in my yeah. brain I think they're, they're kind easily. of two, two separate things but yeah. the transcription isn't going to be you know because the way you talk is completely different to how you would write like an SEO article mm-hmm. um, and that's not a bad thing it's just that the way a conversation will naturally flow on like a transcription is not going to be well structured for, for SEO kind of purposes so so that brings me to my question around I've got a question around getting about outsourcing yeah okay. so I like to run a lean business yes model so it's um, eliminate automate delegate in that order so that I try to Go through it. Does it sounds nice and clean? Doesn't it does. It? Yeah, it kind of perfect. But <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's, the practicalities. The practicalities are yeah, something slightly different. But it's you know if you have that simplicity in your mind, it really helps. Um, so I've yeah, so eliminating tasks that are unnecessary or any overlaps or doubling up, um, automating what you can. I, I've yet to take my own advice on that, and I sort of need to um, you know figure it figure that out. Yeah, right? um, but. Uh, delegating then after you've automated what you can yeah um, so I've got I mean I do have canned responses and stuff so I've, I've automated to the degree that I um, feel equipped to at this point next bit would be you know series of five emails type yeah, stuff yeah kind of the full automations uh, yeah which um, I, you know keep looking at and uh, one day I'll convince myself it's possible yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> just get, get taking a good run at it that's the that's problem yeah run and jump into the pool um, yeah but yeah so the delegation I have employed people to do marketing for me yeah um, with mixed success so what I found is I do love to delegate and I do love to have somebody else have their talents come through yeah. and to capacity build that I don't think I'm a control freak but I do obviously have a clear picture of the voice of my business exactly so um, how you know would you recommend that small businesses have uh, somebody else writing blog content um, I think this is a very difficult thing to manage. I think the voice thing is a huge issue. Personally, I tend to try and recommend that people write as much content as they can in-house, unless they're at a point where they can afford to pay someone to learn their brand voice and really understand them and do it for, like, for them. Because I get people asking me quite a lot, can I write content for, for their business? I'm like, I can, but I don't know enough about you know, uh, orchids to, to, to write <laughs> to SEO for, for an orchid company kind of yeah. thing. It's much better if, if I teach you how to do it and then you do it in-house because there's normally a structure you can follow and once you get your head around it, it's much more valuable and it's going to have a much better return on investment, both time-wise and financially, for you to do it yourself. I think if you can find someone else who has got the same expertise and the same kind of ethos and, and you get on with, then absolutely delegate to them. But you have to be sure and certain that they are the right person because I think mm. if not, the potential is is that they're writing content that does really well because they've written it for SEO, and it, you know it's, it's, it's certainly the big landing page. Message, yeah. But it's not necessarily going to convert as well because it's not your voice. It's not got your face attached to it and your and your style, which is what ultimately is is your business, mm. especially for someone like you, where it's you know you are the business. Mm. Um, if you were maybe like a mechanic or something like that, where you just wanted something a bit drier, sure, you can probably hire someone else to do it, like local SEO and stuff like that. Because yeah. there's a bit more. I wonder uh, with practical. editing, like, it, you know, my sort of fantasy is writing and splurging a whole bunch of content yeah. and then giving it over to someone and them going, oh, this is about three different articles. And I could put this one about this and that one about this and this one about this. And here's a bunch of headings. And here we go. Ta da! I've split it all up and I've gone to your gallery of 5,000 images and found 
you know, top three. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably, that's probably a more practical way to do it, is get an editor in just to trim down. Yeah. Um, Would you recommend that? I think, again, it would just depend on the, you'd have to find the right editor. It's, it's a really tough yeah. decision. So it depends on your time as well and like how much time you've got to dedicate to these things. Where mm. If you are really struggling, then yes, find it. But it has to be someone that, you know, you need to spend a, a good amount of time handing over and making sure they understand you well enough mm. to, to find the right three images out of that 5,000 that you're not going to spend time managing them. Going, oh, actually, you've picked the wrong image for that. Use this one instead. And then, you know... There's a risk there that you appear that you're micromanaging. Well, it's, it's, it's not. It's just that they've not got the full understanding of who you are and, mm. and what the brand really is. So, so okay, so then um, that leads me to uh, how much, how do you measure the conversion of content strategy and content marketing? Wow. Big, big, big question, hiding that. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't expect a completely direct answer, but it's just... Yeah, it's like, because that's the trick, isn't it? It's like, I'm prepared to spend time on that. Yeah. But is it going to be worthwhile? Because everyone's talking about content. Yeah. Everyone's talking about consistent content. Yeah. You know, it, that's it, what it needs to be. It really depends on what how you write the content and what you want it to do. Yeah. Some people might write content purely to get kind of brand awareness for them. And then you'll make, what you want to measure is the amount of views it gets and the amount of maybe social shares it gets. It's not actually going to be a, 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 attached to a, to a revenue metric at all. For you, what I would suggest, for awareness. yeah, yeah, and it's kind of is it, I don't really like that because then it's a bit like, well, if it gets 5,000 shares, great, but if no one took action from that, it's just 5,000 people staring at a, a blog you wrote, so you know, whatever. For, for, for you, I'd probably go more, you want to make sure there's call to actions on it on every piece of content that you write because you're writing to a, a specific audience who has got that intent where they're looking for something to do with a hen party, so there's they're already quite far down that path of wanting to take action. So having a call to action of like, oh, request a you know a price list from me, or request a one to one uh, initial session, or something like that, you can measure that quite easily. And then then what you can do on that button on the page is set up Google Analytics tracking um, on the button, so that every button the click gets, you can attach a value to that. So then you can see where the actual value is. So Aha. what you could do is I saw a shortcut for that. Sorry, go on. No, so like in Google Analytics, you can set goals up and then set a value to that. So like you were saying, your um, getting quite a high conversion rate at the minute. Mm -hmm. So you know that if you get 100 people in, uh, five pounds per person, sorry, let's, let's try to think of the maths of it now off the top of my head, but if you get 100 people onto the website, 10 of which convert, and, and you know that those 10 people are gonna be a thousand pounds each in terms of revenue for you, you can set that button to have a value of, say, £10, because you know that the 10%... For every click, yeah, and you yeah. work out the percentage of the click. Yeah, Precisely, yeah. yeah, so you know exactly yeah what that click is worth to you, what that inquiry is worth to you. You can then set that in Google Analytics so you know where that's coming from. And that's really useful then if you're using like Google Ads at all um, or any kind of other paid advertising because you can track that through and go, is the return on getting from this investment good enough? Mm, that's really good. I've, I've um, shamefully um, slapped my wrist <laughs> yet to set up Google Analytics. Yeah. I tried um, and I did do it a few years ago but then it went wrong and we lost a bunch of data and I slightly... Uh. I slightly was, you know... Put off by it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I did find a cheat, which was Bitly. Oh, yes. Um, and so I've since been measuring stuff on Bitly, um, which is great. Like, you just literally have a shortening. And I, I use Google Forms for yeah. my bookings, um, for some of my bookings at the moment. Really handy. Really handy and professional looking. And yeah. you can brand it and all the rest of it. And um, 
And it's, you know, go straight through to the spreadsheet, zero data entry, thanks exactly. very much. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> the it? only thing is the lack of payment capacity, but um, yeah. but that's okay, We're, you know. Um, anyway, the point is, using Bitly and shortening that, I can then measure how many click-throughs, but so Google Analytics goes to the next level, does it? Yeah, I'd always recommend having Google Analytics set up yeah. on any site, because it just gives you just so much information on, on how people are using your site, and like especially where, like what, um, like landing pages people are coming in on so you can just go you can filter the entire data by organic so you just want to look at people who are finding your website through SEO and the top landing pages so what pages are they coming into your website on and then you can follow them throughout the entire uh, like their website experience so are they bouncing straight off are they going to the contact form but then leaving because you know they can't find the button or something like that so it's, it's really good for just having that it will just collect data in the background and then suddenly you might go to somebody like right I need to sort this out there's the information there they can then dig through. Um, I think if you leave it and don't have Google Analytics, it's quite dangerous because then if you reach a certain point when you do want it, you've not got that back catalogue of data mm. to then use, um, which can be quite frustrating for people like me who come into the websites and then go, there's, there's less to work with because then you just put, you go, right, I've got to wait 30 days now to get an idea of how people are actually using the site. Mm. And yeah, the Google uh, conversion goals are really handy and, and flexible because you can set them up to be quite, you can do a lot with them and because you can just set a, a fixed value to it that's going to really help with my geeky side i love it exactly love it already. you can just then, graphs and stuff it, it doesn't but you can just pull it all out and put it into a graph <laughs> it's probably it, with google sheets it'll probably automate it yeah. soon there's google data studio which is quite handy um, and quite a, a deep tool but that does all the graphs and stuff for you so that's cool yeah really interesting to see yeah huh, okay is it quite easy to set up Analytics, yeah, in WordPress there should be. A, like, do you use WordPress? Yeah, I see. Um, I do in my t current websites on the .co.uk because I've got ninelivesyoga.co.uk, yeah, ninelivesyoga.com, which is new and on WordPress. Yeah. Um, yoga hen parties and yoga parties both .co.uk. Yeah. Um, and then catduval.co.uk. Yeah. So so, so the hen parties, the um. Uh, Kat Duval and the NineLabsYoga.com are all on WordPress with Divi. Yeah. Um, the long-established um, NineLabsYoga.co.uk yeah. is actually on a sort of privately made one that yeah. a friend made for me, and he personally designed it. And so I found it nigh on impossible to sort of in, to get the Google Analytics thing yeah. done properly. Yeah, that's something that he'd probably have to implement, knowing how it, how it's kind of built and stuff. But the, the WordPress one should be fairly easy because I think. Either it's built into WordPress in one of the settings menus somewhere, or if not, you can just install like a, a plugin that will then just do it for you. Just copy the code in, put the code in, and that's it, and you can walk away. And then you can just manage everything within Google Analytics itself. So if you say you've got goals and stuff, you can just do it in Analytics. Um, the buttons and how they... You know, the difficulty you might have is depending on the buttons and how they're implemented on the website and, and putting the, the, the tracking code into them so that it tells Google Analytics something is fired is something that might be a bit more technical, but it would depend on the the, the page builder and everything you're uh, using. So, so <laughs> on, on the actual... Um, Who's fired? So, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Firing everyone. On the um, Google, on the actual web page, if you've got a button on there, yeah. that clicking that won't automatically tell Google Analytics that someone's clicked on it. Fine. You'll have to set it up. So it depends on how that button is embedded in the in the page because with WordPress I know there's a lot of like different page builders um, or it might just be that you're just writing it straight into, into WordPress 
which is probably the easiest option to try and get tracking in there. I mean, with Divi, it's great because it's kind of designed for a visual okay. mind. So I'm not aware of Divi. So Divi um, is basically design. You can design stuff from the front end, seemingly with you. Okay, yeah, so back end, so you can see. The design, you know, you can see it as, yeah. as a, a punter would see it, as a user. Yeah. Um, and then you can add in elements and as well as do the back end it's view. Proper so you can page sort of, builder. Yeah, you can have the sort of cells as they're appearing in the columns yes. and within the columns you've got text and pictures and all that. Yeah. Or you can literally have that viewable in front of you as, as it is visually, which works perfectly for yeah. a brain like mine. It's much easier. Very much design oriented. And I found, like back in the the old days, you know, when you were kind of designing websites and you'd say, write me a bunch of content with what you want on the page and send me the pictures and then I'll uh, put it up. Yeah. And you'd be like, I have no idea because I kind of need to see it in front of me and I need to see where the text fits in front of such and such as face or hand or foot or whatever. And that flexibility just to play around with it. It really, really helps with that. Yeah. Um, the, the issue with there is it depends on the build, page builder, but sometimes like the buttons that you might have the call to action there. So yeah, so the, sorry, the link was that you just click insert button. Yeah, <laughs> and then it, that's and then the concern. Is then is then trying to ideally you want to be able to edit that button to be like when someone clicks this, um, tell Google Analytics that this event has has been has been activated. So. How that would work, I mean, I'm not sure. You'd have to set that up a bit more technically mm-hmm. and maybe even use Google Tag Manager for it, which is then another layer of complexity. Um, which I'll, is, I'll just write that down as a thing. Yeah, it's something, it's, it makes it a lot more flexible, so then you can basically target to get technical for a minute. On the, on the website, you can, any, any, any element on the website, you can track when someone clicks it and then get, that, get a custom event to, to, to fire into Google Analytics when that happens. So it's a lot more flexible um, and you can base it on like classes and IDs and, and, and lots of different things. So it's really handy and a really good tool, but um, it's not user-friendly unless you want to spend like two days just trying to wrap your head around it. So layman's terms, that is um, Google Tag Manager, customer event, customer event. Yeah. Um, as in within Google Tag Manager, you can create a custom event when I click this button, log it. Yeah, exactly. Fine. Yeah. That's all I need to know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good kind of summary of it. Without um, the techno offer. Really useful. Great. Okay. Um, so if I'm thinking about the uh, the general architecture of the site from what you've said. Yeah. Um, I've kind of got a picture now of, of, the, of the website in my head. Um, so you've got... You know, I, I've tried to make actually the Yoga Hen Party site one page yeah. um, as as best I can with links to get involved in the booking, yeah. basically. Um, but if I'm just thinking about SEO and, and all the things that you've said, obviously now I'm thinking putting a blog on there. Ideally, I want the contact page to be fully functioning, but I was finding that it was difficult to... It just wasn't linking. Th- it linked through t- to a random newsletter uh, list right. that then didn't fire off an email to me to say someone's just... Added, been added to your list. Please respond. Yeah. Or give them an automation or anything. So I need to heal that problem. Yeah. So I forwarded them to Google Forms for now. Yeah. So that's, that's fine. Good, yeah. But it's also a little bit later down the booking stage, so it might scare some people off because they haven't had that intro. Yeah. Um, so the intro people now are getting a book a call with me, which still doesn't get them downloadable info. So I want them to have downloadable info. Yeah. But I guess that's not necessarily an SEO question. Um. So yeah, the structure of the site. So just trying to kind of overview what I've taken from what you've said. 
Um, so the the meta title needs to be written as a sentence that that works, as does the meta description. Yeah. Including keywords, but m definitely making sense. Yeah. And basically conveying in a really succinct way what is on that page. Absolutely. And then when you go, sorry, you look like you want to say something. No, I was going to say, just, just write for the user. That's what I always try to advise people is don't, don't try to be too clever with it. Just make sure it makes sense for your target audience because that's normally close enough to what Google wants that you won't go far wrong. But yeah, there might be some like technical things you can do to try and optimise on that, but 90% of the time it's, it's kind of good enough just to focus on the user. How important is it to uh, label all your pictures according to your keywords? Very. Oh, Always try good. and do it. Okay, yeah, yeah no, really good. Um, affirmative response. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the things that, especially in WordPress, because you can't, you can't automate it, so it is a bit of a time sink, but if you're doing it as you go, you'll save a lot of time. It's, it's a really beneficial thing to do because you'll appear in search more, and especially for something like what you're doing when it's quite a visual thing. Yeah, people exactly. People will probably get quite a high, high click-through rate on that. Okay, great. Um, so, all right, so then you're moving down the page and you've got the header and yeah. slider and parallax and all that fancy stuff. Yeah. Um, but tend to, I tend to kind of, yeah, like one tagline or one sentence that is, is I mean, I've got a question on mine. Um, and I think that's, yeah, what is a hen party? Mm. Um, oh, no, first statement is welcome to... Da -da. So there's mixed, I've had mixed feedback on whether I should be welcoming people. Um, thanks for visiting my site or welcome and all that. And some people say, no, pointless, jump straight in. And other people say, that's really nice. Gratitude. Yeah, uh, there's not really a right or wrong answer to that, I think. It's very much what you feel is right and what how your users respond to it. Okay. People might quite like it if it's a bit more personal rather than you jumping straight to buy, 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 mm. book now kind of thing. Mm. If, if it's a bit more chilled and relaxed and a bit more like, oh, well, you know, welcome to the site and not, you know, I don't know how you word it, but you might want to say welcome and this is what I do, this is, the, you know, what we do. So it depends on your brand, I think, is, is, is the answer yeah. really. Well, so I brand, think that a little bit softly, softly personal. Yeah. Which, which actually reminds me that my first button in the header is book now, now. Yeah. So actually I might change that to let's have a chat. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's just about, it's not about getting rid of the button or anything like that. It's just about, yeah, tweaking the, the language to be a bit more... Softly, softly, catchy monkey. Yeah, because people kind of want a conversation rather than like, a, as you say, a sales call. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Okay, so then, um, so then we've got the header, the main header. So the main header is the meta title. Is that correct or no? So no. So the meta title um, is a separate uh, entity. So the meta title is normally. It's like the actual whole framework of the page, right? Yeah. Uh, the meta title. If you go into the back end of the page. Yeah. Uh, there's normally a section. If you've got Yoast installed, it will have something there where yeah. it, you can you can basically overwrite the meta, the meta title of the page. Yeah. Um, the what you're talking about is probably the H1. The header H1. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's the, the H1 tag, which is still really important because that should have a keyword that matches the meta title, okay. just so that it, it makes kind of there's continuity there. That's the right word, isn't it? Yes, um, absolutely. Excellent. Yeah, so you, but as long as you're doing that, which I think, as you say, I think you are, because the, the pages all tend to flow quite well. So it's just making sure it, you don't want to have a, a meta title that says you're selling plant pots, and then the H1 tag actually says you're selling bin bags. 
for example, because it, yeah. it, it just Google's then looking at the page going. What a lovely example, Ed. <laughs> so the things I can see essentially, I can see a plant pot and I can see some bins. So <laughs> I'm not very uh, inventive with these things. By hanging out in a classy joint. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice plant pot and it's a nice bin, so it's, yeah, it's not a bad thing. The recycling. Isn't yeah. Um, um, yes, yeah. I think it's right underneath the uh, complimentary fruit. Exactly. Um, so okay, so the H1, and then you've got on H1 that you've got matching keywords with your meta title. Yeah. Okay, so then, and the descriptions, you complimented the fact that there was descriptions on my homepage. The way, yeah, because the, um, the yeah. beneficial thing is the way you've written them is they're, they're really uh, conversational, they're really well written, in that they've got keywords in them, but it's not like you're just saying, I do these things and then list out all the keywords. You've written them in a really nice conversational way that means right. that Google knows what it's about and people know what it's about. Right. You don't want to just go mad and be like, right, I'll do yoga, 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 yoga. And talk about, say the word yoga 10,000 times. Exactly. Yeah, and put it in the background colour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that, old, that old trick. Like from... 2007. Yeah. Um, okay, so then you've got your H2. Yep. And the H2 are uh, like questions. That's what I'm taking from. Yeah, they, they don't have to be. Or no? It's kind of su subsections. Um, yeah, the okay. way that I've written content for my blog and I found successful is that using questions is a good way to explore a topic. Um, but that doesn't mean that it has to be and isn't always right. You just want it to be, the H2 should just be a, a, a subheader that splits out the content that you're writing about. So, you know, if you're writing about cakes, <laughs> to come back to the cake example, um, you might want to have a H2 that's strawberry cakes, chocolate cakes, blueberry cakes, and then also have H2s that are what is a cake, how, how, how is a cake made, those kind of things. So they can be both questions and, and subsections, but as long as they separate um, what is a content. Cake? Yeah. A cake is uh, the desire to dress up in lycra and stand on a mat. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> The cake of your universal self and your physical self. Anyway, um, get metaphysical about it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Join together How with is the, cake? Uh, the icing of, of um, compassionate language. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so you're gonna nail the the SEO. <laughs> Sounds completely random. Okay, so yeah, so H two right, and then descriptions. Okay, conversational. So um, yeah, descriptions beneficial uh, because they're conversational. Yeah. Um, uh, so Google knows and people know. And H2 are like questions or subsections, and they're just a great way of exploring the subject a little further and breaking up the page. Yeah. Um, okay, I've heard something about like three subsections or something is good in a blog. It would depend on the blog. I think this might tie back to the idea of what is the perfect length for SEO content. Yeah. Which is a bit of a stupid question to a certain extent, because it's like, well, how 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 long does it take to convey the the answer you're trying to give the user? Like, if you can do it in two two hundred words, why are you spending two thousand words doing it? It's completely pointless. It's, you know, you're just wasting people's time. You want to write it for the just so it makes sense. So, I've got on my blog. There's one page that ranks really well. That is about two to three thousand words long. That covers several topics, all without one. Uh, kind of meta topic, one main topic, which is electric scooters. Everything below that is about the legality of them, it's the different models available, it's about common questions around them. It's just everything in one big long article and that ranks really well and has done for a while now. Mm. I've got other kind of pieces of content which answer one question specifically, which is like, does a phone work on 4G in the UK? 
And the answer is, yes, it does. Here's the reason why. Here's a bit more information. Here's links to other content. That also does really well because I've answered the... Both those people come into those different pages. They've got different requirements. One person wants to know about the legality of them as well as all the different options available on the market. The other person just wants to know that, like, the answer to that one question and, and then yes. move on and, and, and find more information about it. So, so th- an example from my site would be the Acre Yoga, Partner Yoga, Thai Massage thing. Why are they linked? What are they in the first place? What's the difference? Yeah. And so I have got quite a long page that I've actually been trying to shorten periodically. Yeah. Um, and now I'm realising that actually the, it is the relevance of what I'm trying to explain. You know, that, exactly. that requires the length of the article. Yeah. I've tried to get it down to that 800 word thing. but Yeah, I wouldn't read too much. I think... I, I, you don't want it to be like waffly and too long so there is a, you do want to edit it back and make sure it's kind of it's answering the question as short as it can be but that doesn't mean that it has to be so short it doesn't actually answer the question because of some kind of ordained SEO authority has said it's got to be 800 words yeah. it's just right it, what, what, is the, what is the person that's coming to your site trying to achieve yeah. and answer that for them and then the, that will generally mean that Google will go, this person's come to your website, they've spent four minutes on the page, and then they've gone to another resource, they're satisfied with their visit, your page is better than someone who's, you know, not answered the question for them. Yeah, okay. Think about what their questions are. Great. Um, okay, fab. Um, all right, so going through pictures, ratio of pictures, I love pictures. That's fine. Pictures are good, just don't have them too big in terms of uh, file size. Oh, right, yeah. Um, but also, don't worry too much. Don't get... Just make sure you're following I do that 640. Practice. 640 or 770. Yeah, that sounds about right. And just kind of compress them. And I think if you're on WordPress, you can install different plugins that will just try and trim the file size down. The yeah. idea with the images is that you want the images to be um, low... What's the word? Bandwidth, so it, you don't want them to be too big, so that if someone's on a on a, yeah, on a weak phone connection, yeah. exactly. That's yeah, that's the thing. You want it to be fairly snappy, but yeah, you don't want it. There's a balance there between having it high enough quality that people can actually see it, what it is you're doing. So mm-hmm. it's not just pixels because it's a two kilobyte size file, mm-hmm. and having the original raw four thousand, you know, pixels wide image. So which is pretty awful. Yeah, you, want you want something around what you're doing. So yeah, between six hundred and a thousand pixels on the longer side. Um, and then just try and optimize it in like and save it in JPEG and make sure it's you know less than two hundred kilobytes or whatever. Yeah, it's one oh eight oh. Is that not too big? One oh eight. Because that's high high res, isn't it? HD one oh eight oh. Oh, and what? Pixels. Yes, sorry, pixels. Sorry, I was trying to work out who to put my files on. No, that should be fine. That's that's, that's good. Okay, okay it, just, it depends on the application of it. If you if you're using that image in like a thumbnail that's thirty yeah. by thirty pixels, yes. then. Don't do that. But if you're using it as like a banner image for the yes. homepage, then yeah, sure, use it. Yeah, yeah. Application appropriate. Exactly. Yeah. Um, appropriate. Okay, fab. Um, all right, moving down the page then. Yeah. You've kind of got down to maybe social links or footers and yeah. relevant stuff. Is there anything SEO related there? That's you want to have it so that. Is this goes out as like site structure and like internal page linking. So you want to make sure that all of your key pages are in those footers. Oh, okay. Purely so that if someone comes to your site and they're trying to find information about the parties that you host, and it's in there, then they can click on it and they can find it fairly easily. It's just it's a navigation thing. So right. Um, you want to make sure that everyone can access all of the pages as easily as possible. 
because then Google can as well, and then Google can access all your pages more easily and, and find it. And that's an interesting something to jump back to the content marketing um, and data topic. capture. Yeah, sorry, go on. So on the content marketing list. Uh, when, when you're writing those long articles about hen parties and, and all that topic, you want to be linking back to your other pages that are your standard like uh, lead generating forms. So the page that you've written about hen party yoga parties, um, you want to be linking to that from the blogs that you're writing and just making sure that it all links up so that people can find the information easily because then Google can find the information easily. Great, okay, got it. Um, things like data capture and... Stuff like that. How do you mean? Um, I, like email addresses? I've got join my tribe, you know, at the bottom of the... Um, actually, yeah, at the bottom of the... Just before the footer. Yeah. As in join the newsletter. Yeah. That's... Um, is that not... Is that... That's a good thing? Do you want a pop-up? You know, what's the... I would... You need to test it. Because it really depends on... Again, not to bang on about your audience, but... It really depends on how people uh, interact with it. Some people are more patient with pop-ups than others. Mm. So you might want to try doing a um, like a thirty-second delay pop-up, or a, you know an exit in ten pop-up, or no pop-up at all. Pop, no pop-up at all. Um, <laughs> no pop-up at all. It's a bit, bit of a bit of a, 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 a twister. Because uh, I'm not going to try it again. <laughs> We've got past it now. Um, because it might work. It might work really well, and then you, and it's not having a negative impact if you you know if it's hitting it as soon as they land, but other times it might be that people see that and then they just leave instantly because they're, like, they're just frustrated with it. So Yes, I have got friends that do that, particularly ones that work on the web. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so Twitter might be the least offensive at the moment. Yeah. But um, again, if, you, if you're writing other content pages, like if you're writing a big long page about head party cakes, having like an embedded email form in there would be a fairly unoffensive way to gain email addresses as well. Yeah, okay, that's cool in article um, which I mean I think the only thing we haven't covered is header mm-hmm. what the like menu navigation oh, I see. kind of stuff yeah so again and also if there's social links in the header that kind of stuff is oh, it good yeah or distracting keep it so that it's try and menu menu drop down menus and stuff if you've got a lot of content um, and you want to have your key pages there that you want to rank as well so if you've written like a big blog post that you're targeting a certain keyword for, you want to have that in the in the main menu so people can easily find it. Um, but again, just do what's sensible. I think you pro- you probably won't go far wrong with that. It gets complicated when you've got massive e-commerce sites and you're trying to rank though like certain category pages because they've got forty thousand categories and you know there's a bit of a fight for that mm. uh, real estate. But for a site your size, I think just do what you think's right and it'll probably be fine. Um, just don't think too crazy or mad. But from what from seeing your site so far, it you know made sense. So it's just mainly the product that's crazy and mad. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you know don't don't hide the menu, for example, or you know do it in a different color that no one can access, and you know things like that. Just yeah. just make sure it's there and can be used. So have your main articles appearing in the main menu, but not necessarily. So it could be in the drop down. So for instance, with the blog. Yeah. So yeah, so you don't click don't on the blog or events. You know, you click on events and then they're all there. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to have it just so that you've got like a huge. 15 long list of every page on your website in that menu thing you want to no. like just like organize it a little bit and tie it together i like the idea of a short menu yeah um and yeah they're, they're like vertical drop downs yeah 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 okay yeah. Cool. cool thanks adam all of this is really really useful it's been really interesting looking through your site because it's such a like, new industry and there's a lot of potential there with the content side of things that's really 
exciting to kind of get to explain that a little bit more and the potential there, mm. which we've not done yet really with anyone, I don't think, because normally it's the SEO, it's just the keywords and finding those keywords that, that you can rank for are Whereas normally this is fairly kind of blunt. emergent keywords. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you want to you want to think about it in a slightly more different way, and you're really well placed for that because you know your customer really well, and you you have regular contact with them, so you can kind of extract information from them and then and then write content around that, and it, mm. it steps a little bit away from SEO, but it's, it becomes more SEO to achieve to get people onto your website generally rather than for specific keywords. So mm. yeah, I think just yeah, keep doing what you're doing, I think, really, and, and, and just kind of tweak it slightly and, and maybe be a bit more creative with what blogs with, you're going to write. Yeah, And don't be scared strategy. to try it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you there. No, no, it's good. But, I, yeah, I've taken massive tips in terms of that content strategy now and I've kind of taken that a lot, you know, on board with, yeah, um, you know, the the example that we've had sort of on this session is, yeah. the, is the yoga hen party, or, sorry, the hen party cakes. Yeah. Um, and that kind of just gives a really good example as to how random the association can be. Exactly. Because that's hen parties, right? And actually cakes are pretty expensive. So you might have somebody that absolutely loves, they want a really healthy vegan cake, you know, um, because they really love yoga. Precisely. And actually they go, oh my God, I didn't even know you could do hen party yoga. Yeah. And then they find that and they go, right, this is what I want, rather than sitting around eating a cake. Exactly. do this. That's, um, the, that's the really key thing what you're saying there about that they're interested in in kind of health food yeah. ties into what you're doing. So they're, they're the perfect person to, to get onto your website, but they're just not actively searching for what you're doing. So yeah, just always keep your eyes open. And, and the keyword er, Keywords Everywhere tool, I think will be the best tool for you to just install and have a play around with and just start searching for it. Because um, that will throw up loads of random ideas and, and give you an idea of what people are searching for that right. you hadn't thought of probably. Because you do get really random ones, which is the great ones, because they're normally the ones that no one else has thought of. So. You can just dig into that and be like, why are people searching for such weird stuff? But great, let's let's target them. Okay, cool. cool. Thank you very much. Thanks, Adam. You're a legend. Bye. Bye.